Kia ora, I'm Damien Venuto. It's October 4th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Aotearoa is incredibly diverse, with more than 200 ethnicities within our community. But you wouldn't think that if you looked at our media. We're still nowhere close to having people in front of the cameras and behind the scenes to fully represent the diversity of 21st century New Zealand. So how much progress have we made? What still needs to change? And are we moving fast enough? Today, I'm joined by the hosts of NZ Herald's Straight Up podcast, business leader and former Olympian, Beatrice Falmuina, and News Talk ZB newsreader, Neva Reti Manu, for their take on the people we trust to tell our stories. Neva and Beatrice, could you give me a sense of how your friendship started and how you got to know each other through your media journey? I can't even remember, actually. It was some time ago. Oh, it was through a mutual friend. It was a mutual friend over lunch was how we met. And like most things, you just start talking and doing regular catch-ups. And then it wasn't until years later, which was pretty much last year. So last year, two years back now. We'd been on the speaking circuit for quite a while. And there are common themes that we see coming up in the same arena. So we'll go and we'll have a conversation and then everyone afterwards has a completely different conversation. And we went away and we went, why aren't people talking about these bigger subject matter about your overall health and well-being as opposed to just aspirational goals? Yeah, I mean, there's so many similarities. I mean, we just clicked first up because Mm -hmm. obviously both women, Mm -hmm. both Samoan, Pacific, having that profile and wanting to also, I suppose, you know, as we get older, being in that arena too, we're role models. So it's giving back to our community and finding, you know, the areas that we're not developing or things that we can do mm-hmm. better. So Beatrice and I would get together and we'll go, hey, you know, we <laughs> can do a few things together and we would probably empower each other as well yeah. because there are very few, I mean, you know, there are more women and Pacific women in particular coming through the ranks, but we need more. But that's the interesting thing I like about Straight Up. It's that you guys are bringing sometimes the grittier side of this fame game into reality and you, you're choosing people who we think live these really privileged lives and then when you talk to them, you realise that it's actually hard. One of the first misconceptions is once you build a public profile, it almost puts you into a different box that you're untouchable, that you don't have feelings and that everything is just sort of semi-miracle but also a highfalutin life when in reality there is a lot of pressure but we don't never talk about the impacts of that pressure. So when Neva and I were given this opportunity to start straight up, we said we actually need to start talking about the real truth of if you are wanting to aspire to a certain life that has a public following, this is what it's going to mean for you and where you need to get help. Neva, you've been in the media for quite some time. Could you give me a sense of how you first got into the media? So, um, interestingly enough, I just celebrated 25 years at Newstalk ZB in Auckland this week. And prior to that, you could add another 12 years um, with radio and all in mainstream. So... It's It's been about 37 years. It's all I've known. I've been in the industry for, yeah, 37 years. And, you know, there was very, very few Pacific faces. Even in mainstream at Newstalk ZB, I'm probably the only Pacific person reading news for Newstalk ZB, let alone the flagship breakfast show. I didn't go to university and I wasn't the brightest kid. But the one thing I had was a good, deep voice for a woman who was quite young. And for women, it's unheard of because our voices do not deepen, do not mature until we're in our late 20s. So I had this extraordinary voice 
I didn't know anything about news and, you know, English wasn't my first language. So it was being able to build on that. And I just had this, you know, determination and grit and I just wanted to succeed as well. And I mean, part of that was my own journey of losing my parents at a young age, you know, being Samoan. My parents moved straight down to Invercargill and they didn't have very much money. It was because of the freezing works. So there was a lot against me then. Mm. And I think for me to be able to succeed in a career was my way out to a certain degree. So that's where my push and the adversity. I mean, everyone has mm. adversity, but my yeah. resilience started at quite a young age. That's an interesting insight that you just had there because the media does sometimes feel like this exclusive club. It's this idea that you have to be either quite wealthy or you have to be exceptional. You have to be an Olympian like Beatrice to get your entry into the media. Yeah, look, just from my own experience, given what I was able to achieve during sport, it opened the door, but it didn't necessarily mean you were going to be the last person standing and being the person in that role, whatever it may have been. So I always found that there was always attraction and an awareness that would grow and heighten because of what you've been able to achieve in sport. But the minute you transition from that into media or into another career, the pressure is doubly because you are not only being looked, you've been watched, you've been listened to. And in some cases, not a lot of us are successful. I tried to get into the broadcasting space. I didn't get a callback. So then I had to pivot my career again. So now, where are we? We're now 30 years, almost 30 years later after finishing sport, and we finally get this opportunity to work together. Was that TV? Mm-hmm. When I tried to go into the sport broadcasting well, I'd, the feedback I get would be, go, hey, you're great, you've got this great charisma with a guest, good questions, but you're just not quite what we're looking for. Did they ever explain what they were looking for? <laughs> well, it wasn't me. I can tell you that. And so thankfully for people that were producing shows like Tangata Pacifica with Stephen Stalin and then with Māori TV with Te Arihi Maipi, I had my chance to actually talk about sport and other current stories, which was really what I wanted to do. So when that chance came, I took advantage of every opportunity I could and then pivoted my career. Beatrice has been awarded a Sir Peter Black Leadership Award, one of seven candidates chosen for their outstanding contribution in their respective fields. Beatrice's work as CEO of the Best Leadership Academy secured her award, which described her as inspiring a new generation of Pacifica people. For both of you, when you walk into a world where you are different from everyone else, what, what's that, what was that like back in the day? I never used my Pacificness or, mm. you know, my cultural background as an excuse not to succeed. Mm. If anything, it was a total opposite. It made me want to achieve more. Mm. And I wanted not to be just a newsreader. I wanted to be the best newsreader. Part of it is from my parents and the upbringing before they passed away. And I think this is interesting too, because I always remember my father coming from Invercargill, but knowing that whatever happens to his children, that they need to do well because they will always be looked at because of their colour. And that was the thing with me. I mean, I never went into TV. My voice is known, my name is known in radio. I knew, and this is what I wanted to do, was to even, you know, work on the news and everything, to be the best, not just to be a newsreader. I wanted to be the best in New Zealand. But that's something that you've achieved now because... And I am, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, I am. Yes, she is. Eight times, can I just say. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's also really important that when we talk about how our career started, it did start at home. It was the values that we were taught. The reason yeah. why our families migrated here was to provide opportunities for that next generation. 
And so there's this continuum theme of resilience and never giving up when you've migrated from one country to another, that if someone said no, you would find a way to find a yes. I think that's really important that we didn't decide to go no and give up, which does happen. And I understand why it would happen. So thankfully, we were given opportunities and people around us to continuously support us, provide us that feedback and coaching, whatever that may be, because there's no doubt in my mind, we didn't make it here on our own. As a foreigner speaking on a podcast, something that I'm quite concerned about is how my accent comes across to people. Did you two feel a need to iron out the kinks in your accents or anything like that? Or did you always play it with your real accent? Because I I feel incredibly insecure about that sometimes. Well, that's your gold, my friend. That is what your unique offering is every time you say something. So when I hear people feel they have to change themselves inside out to appease others, I go, why don't you be the person that allows society to welcome you and allow others to do the same? Oh my God, that was beautiful. <laughs> I love that. Because I think she I is tired Yeah, of she it. is yeah. right. I mean, your exit, and this is, you know, when you think about New Zealand, you know, we are a melting pot. There are so many different nationalities and you should be who you are and sound the way you want to be, you know, who you are. You shouldn't have to change. Broadcasting has been quite particular with what it wants and what you should be like and what you should sound like in the past. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, I was just <laughs> saying the other day, I was catching up with some people and, and because, you know, particularly in radio, I've been in there for over three decades. And I'm not just saying this from Pakia people, but, you know, a lot of Pacific communities and other ethnic groupings, would they would hear me and they go, gosh, we, we want to meet Neva. And then when they see me, they'd go... They do a double take. They think that I sound like a Pakia. So the first thing they'd say to me, and I get this still to this day, I get people saying, wow, you don't sound like a Samoan. And then I jump in and I go, oh, what does a Samoan sound like? Because then, Mm -hmm. boom, you're in a deep, dark hole there. And then you can actually see the awkwardness like melt on their face. Yeah, (laughs) But I mean, I know I'm not being, you know, bitchy Mm -hmm. about it, but it's that, wow, you know, like... She sounds Stigma. like a Pakia or she's Samoan, but she's not a real Samoan. She's white on the inside and brown on the outside. So there's those kind of comments that I get. I am comfortable in my own skin and that does not rattle me. If anything, it makes me want to achieve even more in the industry that I'm in. In recent years, we have seen an increase in the use of Te in the media. But anytime you do have that change, you're going to have backlash. So when John Tamiri was on our podcast, he mentioned that it kind of felt like people were afraid of something being taken away from them. So what exactly are people so afraid of right now? I think what you're hearing and probably all of us are witnessing now is change. And there's always a reluctance to change. Mm. So unless you take the mindset of wanting to educate and support people along their journey, nothing will. So for me, when we've been given this opportunity, much like many others before us and many others after us, we want to be able to make sure that we leave this place in a better place. And that's why introduction of language, sound, beats, whatever it may be, if we don't actually introduce this, we're going to miss out. And who wants to miss out? And also the introduction of that difference ensures that the ladder isn't pulled up for the next generation, right? It leaves a base there for others mm-hmm. to build onto. And that, that's incredibly important too, because we talk quite often talk about, yeah, things are improving right now, but there's still so much work to be done. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's still a lot of work to be done, but it does warm my heart mm. when you think now, mm-hmm. te reo and in mainstream media, weather reports on TV, yep. um, you know, you've got Orini with Moko, you yep. know, like that would never have happened. Yeah, you know, mm. twenty years ago, and and even Mike McRoberts with his documentary and his journey, 
of cultural identity and learning te reo. I mean, those kind of things, they're very emotional. And I've kind of been through something very similar with my own cultural identity. Mm. And you have to be in the right frame of mind to be ready for that journey. But it is everything on who you are as a broadcaster, any industry that you Mm. choose. You have to know who you are because it will come back to you. And, And I think... When I started my own cultural identity, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me and it has made me become a more well-rounded, successful broadcaster. Because mm. I, I remember when my first competition in athletics and there's always an announcer and they go through you know, the, the category, the age group, and then they read the... And I remember it would go women's discus, girls' discus, and then it would go Beatrice and there'd be a pause by the announcer trying to figure out how to say the surname. And I remember this clear as day. And unfortunately for this individual, they mispronounced it. Bless mum. She went down and politely advised this person, please try to make it sound how it looks as opposed to guessing. Because back in the 80s, that wasn't a thing. All of a sudden there were more Māori names, there was more Pacifica names, there were more European names. Now we've got more Asian influence names coming through. It's a sign that society has changed. This is generational thinking as well. And it's the openness to want to learn and listen because the next generation that's coming, there's going to be three, four generations in that one human being. And if we're saying you've got to be more or less of the other, we're actually restricting their ability to learn as well. And so for me, the importance of language, the importance of culture and values, whatever that makeup is for you, stays true. How it embeds or changes in the environment, that's also up to you. So if it doesn't sound right to you, be empowered like our parents who tried to change and tried to influence so that we could walk every day and be powerful and also be mindful of others that are coming through that door. Because we're not all going to look the same, and why should we? I'm going to burn my bra. Beatrice, that was stunning. (laughs) (laughs) Empowered. You're going to burn your bra too, Damien. I am. I am totally. (laughs) When you see people who have become successful in an area where there is no expectation that they do become successful. You do imagine that they're flawless, that they're perfect in every single way. So kind of unraveling that myth to some degree is incredibly important. I think it is because we talk about this all the time. We go, we are not perfect. We openly admit we're not perfect. But one of the things you will learn from all of us and each and every one that sits around us is we, we never give up. We keep trying. There's never a one-hit wonder. There's always opportunities to change and adapt. And so often when we've had our guests come in, they'll talk about something and then all of a sudden Neva and I will go, gosh, that's a moment in time which I remember. This is what happened to me. This is what I did, whether it was good, bad or ugly. And then when you're reflecting, you're actually giving yourself permission to breathe as opposed to permission to hide. And I think that's also really important because often when you're talking about people with profiles where everything looks great, we're all out there celebrating, it's got to be the front cover, everyone's got to be talking about it, but deep down inside, through some of those successes, there's a real dark side to that as well, where we don't recognise it and we actually go, you know what, I think our friend needs help. Mm-hmm. That's what I really learnt from also discussing this quite fully with Lance Bidette. Lance was really open with us about the impacts of changing people's behaviour and what he was going through and sitting there and listening to someone who is successful in that, in his professional career, but personally his family were going, well, hold on, there's something I'm seeing about your behaviour that's changing. All of these moments that we see in front of us, but we didn't realise it was actually something else was going on and asking the question, hey, what's going on? We ran an intense homicide where we could see the staff were affected. And I said, why don't we get that psychologist back to run us through? And the person who was running the homicide at the time says, better idea, let's go and have some beers. And there 
is what the place was like. We've learned so much from the first season because, especially for me, I like to be in control. Well, we both do, actually. <laughs> you know, we don't want to cry. We don't want to, you know, like be trembling and go, oh, my God, I can't ask this question because of the tears are flowing, even though it's a podcast and it's not video. But now I just let it go. You let it go. We both mm. let it go. Even Beatrice, the media has come a long way over the last few decades, but there's still room for improvement. So what would you guys like to see change? In my mind, my question goes, where would you like to start? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, for me, it's always wanting to see more Māori and Pacifica in mainstream. Mainstream. Because I think that's where you're going to make those changes. It's great how we have the Tereto Journalism Cadets. Mm. That is the first I've ever known. It's the first cadetship that you have partnership of four media organisations together and that are bringing in Māori and Pacifica. I am just so happy to see that because I've never seen that before. I mean, when I started, I did a Pacific Island journalism course in Monaco and it was the only one. It was back in 1989 and it was really hard when we all left and we were trying to find jobs. There were 17 of us. It was really difficult because everyone was sending out their CVs and a lot of mainstream newspaper, TV, radio outlets were coming back saying, is this a real course? That's no word of a lie. That really upsets me now. But what I'd love to see is more Pacific and even in mainstream top radio Mm -hmm. areas. But in saying that, we've got to find out why Māori and Pacifica aren't coming through in terms of their choices. Like I know with Pacific, Mm. the media and journalists and news reading hasn't always been the top option that they've wanted to choose. So we need to find out why that is. Because back in our day, I remember, you know, my parents would say, oh, we want you to be a lawyer or a, you know. Same as me. Yeah. And because, (laughs) you know, when I remembered when my mum, she was still alive at the time, and I said, I want to be a journalist newsreader. She went, what? What's that? You can't speak English. What? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I mean, when society is saying they want to see more people looking like us, sounding like us on mainstream, what that also says to me is there's, a willingness to see diversity, cultural diversity on TV, because when you walk outside these four doors, that's actually what New Zealand looks like. This also is not just around here, around this table, but it's also around the big judgment governance table. When you've got people that are a reflection of our society, but have the opportunity to talk about, you know, this is why it's really important. This is why the next generation are going to find it more encouraging and inspiration to want to walk in these four walls if we believe it's being actually a target of focus around that table. And it's not to be only one person wanting to pursue that change. It actually has to be everyone around that table who wants to see that influence and change because that's when things are going to shift. When that governance group and the leaders around that table, if their priority top three is to say, okay, we need to look and sound more like New Zealand, then you'll see it. Thanks so very much to both of you for joining me. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.